Hey there, New Life Junior High. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going through the Lord's Prayer. We are on the part talking about forgiveness. So let's go ahead and read this whole passage, and then we'll dive in with prayer and some application points. It'll be nice and simple for us to understand what it means to live out God's forgiveness. Let's read, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Make note of that part. We're going to come back to that. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And here's our focus for today. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your mercy triumphs over judgment. Your grace extends far beyond what we can ever ask or imagine. Lord, I ask that each of us today would learn what it means to live from the forgiveness of God so that we can live truly free lives in Christ. Lord, let your mercy um, be on display in this Lord's Prayer, and may we have um, eyes to really see you and see the forgiveness that you have wrought and brought to us. And more than that, Lord, give us hearts to submit to your word when forgiveness is hard. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we notice, this whole Lord's Prayer, oftentimes when we quote it in churches, it's just kind of plucked out of its context, and we just say verses 9 through 13, starting with our Father in heaven. But if you notice, all of those words are said in context to the ones that we read before, specifically at the end of verse 6. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. How often do we feel like we are not seen, heard, known by the people around us? Oftentimes I'll sit and watch and just people watch in a group of students especially. And I'll notice how people just feel like they're one word away from not being heard. So they always have to get the one more word in. They always have to get their last thought in. And this can translate to even how we pray. So remember, this series is teaching us to pray, and part of prayer is forgiveness. So we're going to focus first a little bit on what it means to pray in secret, knowing that God who we're praying to sees us in secret, then that'll inform how we learn about forgiveness. So prayer in secret. There are many of us who would say, oh yeah, absolutely, I could totally pray in secret. And then as soon as we're asked to pray out loud, then we freak out. And so we think that praying in secret is just the norm. Well, actually, think think about it this way. When we pray, quote, in secret, do we believe that God actually hears us? Or do we become less inspired because we're not in a church service, surrounded by the lights and the music and preaching and teaching? And so when we pray in secret, our prayers seem to be void of power. And we just pray simple, mundane, repetitive prayers that are just standard, like 
praying for our food or praying right before bedtime that God would protect us. Or when we pray in secret, is that the place where the deepest amount of intimacy and the most amount of um, revealing of our hearts is done before God? This is a question that we always have to ask. Are we more prone to pray when we're at church, which might not be a secret place, than are we to pray in the solitary confines of our room or the prayer closet? So when we pray, here is the biggest point that this prayer is trying to say. First, prayer is heard by God and prayer is a very personal thing and it's okay to be done in private. In fact, if we don't pray in private and we only pray in public, our prayers will be void of power. But when we choose to pray in secret as the primary lifeblood of our intimacy with Christ, then we will be able to pray out loud before people and we can pray um, in any different setting knowing that God is going before us um, and that God actually hears us so that when we pray, knowing that God hears us in secret, we don't have to try and force his attention. And this is where we transition to forgiveness. So often, we feel like we have to force God's attention or beg God for forgiveness because it's even the way we pray, we think that we have to beg God to listen to us. So if we have to think that God, we have to beg God to listen to us, which is just a rudimentary step of human communication as listening, we often translate to, okay, forgiveness is an even harder step. So that means I have to beg all the more for God's forgiveness. But that's not the case. God has decided before the foundations of the world to forgive completely all who are in Christ. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. More than just wipe our slate clean, he is also going the step above and beyond in purifying us and letting us live holy lives. So, this idea that we have to beg God to listen, we've already addressed that. If when we start praying in private, we'll realize that God's ear is already tuned toward us. So we don't need to beg him to hear us. And then from there, now we will also understand what it means that God's forgiveness is also something that we don't have to beg for. It's already right there in Christ. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 18 and unpack what this verse really means. Forgive us our trespasses or our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 18 and we'll see this played out in a parable. Starting in verse 21, then Peter came up and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Just I can see Peter thinking that he's so holy thinking about seven times. And Jesus says in verse 22, and Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And no, not on 78 times can you not forgive him. What, what Jesus is saying here is that you forgive unconditionally and completely. Let's keep reading. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in Jesus' time, this could be translated to like a million bajillion dollars. Basically, it was 200 years and years and years of wages. 
AKA the servant had crazy debt, could never pay it. And since he could not pay it, that's an understatement, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made from that. That was a pretty common practice back then. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. In a sense, like I will use my entire life. But here's what the king does. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him his debt. Didn't even make him work. He just completely erased the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, so a lot less money. And he seized him and began choking him, saying, pay what you owe, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. The exact same thing that this servant just said before the king of a higher debt. But this servant refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. I mean, think about how begrudging this servant had to be toward this guy who owed him a hundred denarii to even think, oh, it's a great idea to put someone who owes me money in prison where they can't make money to pay me back. This guy was so blinded by his own unforgiveness. When his fellow servants saw that he had taken, this was taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported this to their master of all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not, and should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. This is the verse that ties to the Lord's prayer. Just like we forgive others because God forgives us. Likewise, this Kings is what's saying, you should have mercy on your fellow servant because I had mercy on you. Verse 34. And in his just anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So from this passage, we can see that God's forgiveness is something that is radical beyond our comprehension. Imagine taking every single penny that you ever make throughout your life, even if you are a trillionaire, and it still does not compare to what we owe God, and yet he forgave us our debt because Christ paid it all and was the perfect sacrifice. Then, now take that massive scale and boil it down to someone like our siblings, who, like my brother, used to wear my socks, and I would get so upset with him and make him take it off, and I wouldn't even wear the socks. I would just go throw them in the hamper and then probably not wear them again. And that's such a trivial thing to be so upset about. Or there are other times where we have more serious offenses, but we refuse to forgive even after we've moved from a place of, moved to a place of safety. Now hear me, forgiveness does not mean just being a doormat. It doesn't mean just letting people run all over you and being abused and whatnot. Forgiveness is saying, you owe me nothing because I owe God nothing in Christ. So when someone does offend us, yes, it's important to move to a safe place if that offense is abuse or neglect. But at the same time, if we just continually harbor it in our heart and think, man, if they only forgave, if they only said sorry, then I would forgive them. Or if they paid me back for the damages that they did, then I'll forgive them. That's not the forgiveness of the gospel. That's the forgiveness of the world where we choose to say, you forgive, if you say sorry, then I'll forgive you. It's kind of, 
you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. We're good. We're even because we paid each other's debts. The Christian way of forgiveness is so much more radical than that. So when Jesus says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, they're tied together. If we choose to live as a people of unforgiveness, what's going to happen is that we are not going to be able to receive the forgiveness of God because we don't understand it. But if we choose to forgive others their trespasses, what that shows is that we are living, here's the point number one, from forgiveness rather than for forgiveness. Just like in the beginning when Jesus was saying, Pray to your father who's in secret, a.k.a. Jesus. You don't have to beg God's attention. You already have it. Don't heap up empty phrases. You already have it. So you can rest at ease and just simply pray to your father. Likewise, when he's talking about forgiveness, he's saying you don't have to continually beg God for forgiveness if you're in Christ. You already have it. So then we don't have to live as a people pursuing, uh, a ple- trying to please God or earn forgiveness, we get to live from forgiveness. What does that look like? Well, as I am forgiven in Christ, I'm actually able now to overcome things that I've been asking forgiveness for. Let's say that I am a chronic liar and I'm continually lying and it's burdening to my heart, which shows that the spirit is convicting us. If I just always identify with the fact that I'm a liar and I just need to ask forgiveness every single time that I lie in order to be clean, and since I'm not clean as soon as I lie, then I'm clean, then I'm not clean, or I'm saved, then I'm not saved, saved, not saved. That's that's not the gospel. That's a trivial forgiveness. But when we are washed and made new in Christ by his forgiveness, what happens is now I am forgiven so I can be empowered to live a holy life. I can live from forgiveness. God has already forgiven past, present, and future sins. Christ died once for all. He doesn't have to die over and over and over again. We get to be free in Christ. Now hear me. A lot of people use this as license to sin. Like, sweet. God forgave me for everything, so I'm just going to keep on sinning and not even have to repent. No, that's not the case. Repentance of acts that we commit is a reminder of the fact that we are forgiven, not a begging to be forgiven again because we are in Christ once for all. So, number one, we live from forgiveness. If this servant would have let the forgiveness of his master seep into his heart, it would have been so much easier for him to forgive someone else because he's living from forgiveness. He's realizing how great a debt has been paid for him, and so then he can go and do likewise and live a generous life of forgiveness. But because he was still living for forgiveness, thinking that his begging, his pleading was the thing that made him forgiven rather than the mercy of the king, now he's expecting things from other people who also owe. He's saying, I was the one who earned my forgiveness from the king rather than seeing it being the king's mercy washing over him. So he never lived from forgiveness. He was still living for forgiveness. Which then, he's never going to really readily even ask for forgiveness because he just thinks he's all that. Oh, the king already forgave me. I don't even need to ask people for forgiveness because I'm forgiven. 
uh, by the king. So I can do whatever I want and I don't, I never offend people, this or that. This is, this is not the gospel. We need to make sure that when we are forgiven, we're also willing to ask for forgiveness and humble ourselves, knowing that we're not perfect in action, but we are perfect in the standing before God. When I choose, let's give an example. I know that I have been forgiven completely by every sin that I can ever commit and ever have committed. And then I offend my brother or I offend my sister or I offend someone, even if um, it's a trivial matter and I feel justified, I can humbly ask for their forgiveness because I don't have anything to prove to them. God's already forgiven me, so I can ask for their forgiveness and be free from that. Because if they don't forgive me, that's up to them, but I get to choose to ask for forgiveness. But here's the, the final part. Eagerly extending forgiveness to others. We don't need, like this servant made this guy beg on his knees for forgiveness and then still didn't because maybe the show wasn't good enough. We get to eagerly seek out forgiveness, not passively passively forgive when people ask. Man, what does that mean? That means, let's say someone offends you and they don't even know that they did. Or they don't really care that they did. Instead of waiting for them to ask for forgiveness, we eagerly show forgiveness by giving it over to God By saying, you know what, you owe me nothing, so I'm just going to give this offense over to God and say, you are forgiven. And move on. Imagine a life where we get to choose to say, I'm not easily offended. I get to choose to live forgiven and give forgiveness away like it's candy. I get to choose to do this because God's forgiveness is abundant and radical and generous. So, I know that that was a lot of different points mixed together because the forgiveness of God is also not black and white. It's not clean sometimes. There will always be moments where people offend you and hurt you. And I wish I could say, oh, it's just as easy as praying a quick five sentence prayer and all of a sudden, boom, you're fine. Sometimes forgiveness is a lifelong journey, trusting in God. Sometimes it's an overnight thing. But hear this, in all of the gray area, in all of the convolutedness of the life that we experience being forgiven and forgiving, know that Christ, Christ is walking with you every step of the way. Yes, you can choose to release people to God's forgiveness and still have hurt to walk with, um, with Christ in. And that's okay. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you can't forgive. And just because you forgive doesn't mean you'll, you won't still bear some of those scars. So today, I challenge you guys to think through where you have not forgiven someone. And forgive. And if you don't know how to forgive, you can always look at Jesus on the cross. And turn his words into prayer. It says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. As Jesus was being murdered, that's what he said. So we get to choose saying, Father, forgive so-and-so, because they don't know what they were doing. And free me from the, 
bondage of unforgiveness toward them. And help me live in the freedom that your forgiveness brings. So may the Lord bless you in this and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you as you choose to forgive. And may his bright, smiling countenance rest upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.